As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Hamlin and the Braves have given you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to the Platinum Sombrero for our first 2021 edition and what a day it is. Brought to you as always by our friends at Armchair Media and our buddies at BetOnline. You guys know the drill, BetOnline.ag is the number one place to go for any and all online gambling. Whether that be NFL as the playoffs are getting underway, whether that be college football as the national championship game is just a few days away, whether that's... Maybe you want to bet on uh, the NL East line now that some uh, some things have changed, which we'll get to later today. I don't know what you want to bet, but if you want to have a little bit of fun, maybe you're a, maybe you're a sharp, maybe you're a beginner. Whatever the case, Bet Online has lines for all of you. Easy to understand lines, really deep in depth lines for the advanced players. BetOnline.ag use our promo code Armchair and you will get a special surprise. Not going to tell you what it is. You got to go and you got to use the code BetOnline.ag, the number one place for all your online entertainment. So. Uh, First episode of 2020, or 2021, thank goodness, um, we have had nothing but issues getting to this point, and I just want to point out that uh, <laughs> the universe can't keep us down. Uh, it has kept us apart for the last two weeks, so um, Doc, how have you been, man? Uh, better than I am right now. Still a little frazzled. Uh, the te- technical difficulties this week were on my end, as opposed to last time when they, when they were on yours, but uh, yeah, man, it's been... Um, Everything's all good right this second. It seems like uh, it seems like things are probably gonna start picking up with baseball soon, if if for no other reason, because uh, in a perfect world, pitchers and catchers are gonna report sometime in the next six weeks. Until we have a reason to believe otherwise, which we I suppose we have some reasons, but uh, we don't have any concrete evidence that things are gonna start late. So uh, a lot of the different things that we've been all holding out for uh, should be. Uh, coming soon and bringing us a whole lot of joy. Did you have a good Christmas, first Christmas as a dad, and uh, and uh, good New Year's? It was fantastic. New Year's, we didn't do anything, which was actually okay. I got to sit around and watch football. Um, Christmas was fantastic. Carter's first was really, really cool. Um, it's a little bit different when you don't really care about what you're getting. <laughs> uh, he's, he's still a little young to, you know, can't really unwrap anything. We have to unwrap it for him, and as long as it makes noise, he's happy. Uh, but it, it was cool. Um 
I'm really glad we're getting to record this now. Um, I've been really missing baseball a lot the last week and a half, and, and I tell you, man, I am really ready for pitchers and catchers to report. Usually we scoff at people who are like, hey, pitchers and catchers, but uh, I think this year, I think all of us are going to be the same. No, I, I think so, and and a lot has been made about the slow pace of the offseason. You know, we all kind of saw that coming because nobody was really sure uh, how the world was going to kind of proceed. And I've seen a lot of comparisons to NBA free agency to where as soon as the clock turns over, then you start just getting rapid fire signings. Like all, all of these deals are, are worked out in advance. So as soon as the time turns over, it's like the what was the uh, July 2nd international signing deadline. And now I think it's the January 15th international signing deadline. As soon as it turned over, it's like, man, all of these teams are, sure are working really quick to sign these guys. But it's because everything's worked out in advance. And because everything is pushed out now and you still have 250, not an exaggeration, unsigned free agents, then you're going to really start seeing, uh, the closer we get to spring training, you're going to really start to see a whole lot of moves happen. And today we saw one of the biggest moves of the offseason happen. And uh, I will let you jump right on top of that. Yes. Uh, so we were just talking about baseball not making any moves. Well, here come the Mets making maybe the biggest move anybody's going to make this offseason. As we've been talking about this for a while, we said that this was the most likely thing to happen. But uh, Francisco Lindor, officially a New York Met, along with Carlos Carrasco, which while Lindor is obviously going to get all the headlines there, Carrasco's no slouch for a team that's going to be missing Noah Syndergaard for a lot of the year due to the Tommy John surgery. Uh, I believe it was Tommy John. Was it Tommy John for Noah? Yeah. It was Tommy John, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He'll probably be back, if I were to hang a guess, probably around June or July. Um, Although I really don't remember what time period it was when he had it done. But uh, adding Carlos Carrasco to a rotation that already has Jacob deGrom and Marcus Stroman, uh, they're going to get Syndergaard back. Now you add in, in my opinion, the best shortstop in baseball. If not the best, he's he's right in that top three range. You can people will do whatever they want with the you know the Lindor, Seager story, um, Trey Turner's certainly up there. Tatis, you know, there, there's a lot of great shortstops in the league right now, but I don't think there's any that are bigger than Francisco Lindor. And for the Mets to be able to get him, even if it's just one year, we know they have the money to re-sign him, but that is that is a big move in the NL East. No doubt about it. And and it's particularly reactive because the, the Braves have been uh, the kings of the East for the past three years. And I think that um, the the Mets are a lot of things, but they're not stupid. They're, they're hor- they have been horribly unlucky the past couple of years, but they're not stupid. And now they've got an owner that can spend. We all knew that the Indians weren't going to be able to afford Lindor. And if, if they are in a position where they're shedding money, well, then getting out from underneath Carrasco's money uh, is, a, is a good move for them, too. And Carlos Carrasco, is, a couple years ago, you know, he had leukemia and came back from it. There is hardly an easier guy in baseball to root for than Carlos Carrasco. So um, I keep looking at the Mets going, I, I have, they have always been my go-to punching bag and my punchline, and I kind of can't really do that anymore because they have an owner that is suddenly competent. They have Lindor, who's incredibly likable, and the same thing for Carrasco. So, But they are doing this because they know that they have to keep pace with the Braves. Now, the Braves do still have to counter. They did make some moves earlier in the offseason. It's been a couple of weeks since they've done anything, so it seems like they're, they're just sitting around and doing nothing. But, you know, as of right now, if I had to, had to weigh things, yeah, I, I still think I would put the Braves ahead, even in their current form. That's even without getting the big bat because, you know, they have got the reigning MVP. They've got somebody that could be a threat to, to flirt with 
uh, each of the next couple of years, and they also have uh, a ton of talent across the board. This is a Braves podcast, so you probably know who the Braves have. But things got a lot closer today. It's almost a little too close for comfort, and you know the Mets still have money to burn. So this division really just became a race. It did, and I, I'm with you. I said this on Locked On. I do still think that the Braves are the class of the NL East. I still think that the Mets, while their lineup is now a lot better, when you have Lindor, Conforto, McNeil, Alonzo, who's going to have a who, who's going to have a bounce back. Um, uh, Dom Smith, J.D. Davis, and you replace their inept catchers with James McCann. They've got a good lineup. The The problem with them is going to be defensively. They're, they're going to be a sieve defensively, especially if there's no DH. That's one area where the Braves, since they're such a well-balanced unit, offensively, defensively, now with the starting pitchers, they're still the best team in the East. Um, certainly, the lineup, I feel, needs work. I don't feel that you should. He- I don't feel you should head into 2021 with that big, giant gap. Uh, behind Freddie Freeman, and, and people can say what they want, that protection doesn't matter. It matters. It just makes logical sense uh, that pitchers would, would pitch to a player differently knowing that there's a bona fide stud behind him as well. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. There's a reason players says it matters. I'm with the sabermetrics and analytics on nearly everything, but this is one where I'm not. I, I do fully believe that protection is a big deal. Um, but for the Braves, they, they have plenty of time. To, to do what they want. And it's not like the Braves can't go out and make a big move. I mean, there's nothing to say that the Braves can't go and get a Trevor story. We're just never going to hear about it until it actually happens. I think that's part of the reason why, why Braves fans get so upset when other teams make these big moves like this. We just never know what's going on with Alex Anthopoulos, and it's by design. He's never going to let you know what he's thinking. Uh, if you hear a rumor, it's probably false, and it was probably put out there on purpose. So um, today a lot of people are angry, saying, well, the Braves could have beat that offer. And while that's true... Um, you also have to think about what the Indians got back versus what they would be getting comparable value-wise from the Braves. Now, you could say that Jimenez uh, and Rosario are not, like, Rosario's not a huge name, but he was a big-time prospect before he's going to be their second baseman. Andres Jimenez is a pretty big prospect. He's got a chance to be a real, real good player. He's an outstanding defender, and I think there's a lot more to unlock offensively for him. Now, you could say we could give him Dansby or, or Riley and a few others, but the Indians really don't have any reason to want Austin Riley. They've got Nolan Jones right behind him. And if you if they're not looking to quote unquote rebuild or tank or whatever, then being able to get a second baseman and a starting shortstop by dealing a guy you only had for one year, it's a big deal for them because Rosario is going to be their starting second baseman now. So I think that the Indians, while the return is going to get hammered because it really wasn't a huge return, I think it helps the Indians more. Uh, it makes them a better team than they would have been had they traded Lindor to somebody else. I fully agree. And I wouldn't sleep on Josh Wolf either. The Indians have, have been, uh, they have really proven in recent years, they've got a knack for developing pitching like few other organizations can. And, you know, they have to do things like this. The Indians are a lot, a lot closer to being the Rays than they get credit for. And they now have the lowest payroll in all of baseball too. So it does take them a step back in uh, in 2021, but it's it's kind of like what the Cubs did in the Darvish deal, where they're setting themselves up for the future because they, you know, maybe they they don't see a clear path to contention with the way the team is currently architected. So I don't know. It makes sense, and uh, I really don't think that this I'm, drops them that far in the AL Central. To be honest with you, their pitching is still elite. Uh, they still have Zach Blazak, uh, Shane Bieber, who's an absolute animal. Tristan McKenzie. They've still got a lot of arms. Um, 
we'll see what happens with them. I don't expect them to tear down. I think that this was, I, they definitely should have dealt Lindor last year. They would have got far better on the return, but this was about as good as the Indians were going to get from that, especially for a one year of a player that's going to get a 200 to $300 million type of contract. There's only so many people that are in the market for that. You have to feel that you are a player away or that you have the best chance to re-sign him. So I understand why the Mets with a new owner who wants to go out there and win, I can understand why they could do this. But for the Braves, I've always wanted Lindor, but I didn't think that the Braves would really match up well with the Indians for what they like to have. But there are a few players out there, and we talked about Trevor's story. There's still a few more that, uh, since I've been missing baseball so much, I just run through scenarios in my head. There's there's a few players out there. I still think Justin Turner is a really good target for the Braves. Uh, I, I'm still not ruling out Marcelo Zuna returning, because I'm, I'm not ruling out that the DH will be in here for 2020, no, for 2021. I'm sorry. They keep figuring out... Uh, as, as they get closer to the season, if they want to get expanded playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked if the DH comes back in and the Braves just re-sign Ozuna and roll into the season with the same crew plus some starting pitching. But speaking of that starting pitching, I do think that once we get into uh, our discussion on the Braves, it's going to be starting uh, starting pitching-centric because that was the really the only big hurdle for the Braves last year. But I do want to move on a little bit and get into our New Year's resolutions for players. Now, obviously, we were going to do this last week until technical difficulties uh, and uh, health difficulties ruined last week's episode, but today is as good a day as any, so I want to kick this off. Your resolutions for AJ Minter. I'm reading what you have up here on the show sheet. Uh, I, I can confidently say that's a really good one. <laughs> for AJ Minter, his New Year's resolution should be whatever you ate before game five of the NLCS, eat it every single day. He lost his 2019 because of the shoulder injury. We, we all just... We're wondering what happened to the AJ Mentor of 2018. And then in 2020, he was back. He was fully healthy, and he looked great. But the version of him that showed up when he started Game 5 against the Dodgers, I have never seen... I mean, we we were just coming off this high from Bryce Wilson and what he did in Game 4. And we're like, how do you top that? And then Mentor came out and struck out seven over three innings. Like, that, that was major stuff that we saw from him. And... Losing Melanson and losing Green, those guys might come back, but they might not. And you need to have somebody in the late innings you can depend on. That version of A.J. Mentor, that guy is impressive to me. I'd love to see that version of him come back. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. And on a real note with that, whatever he was doing in 2020 paid big dividends. And, and it looked like he used the four-seam fastball a lot more and stopped throwing just the cutter. And as you and I have been talking about with him for a while now, that reliance on the cutter really hurt his slider effectiveness as well. So going back to that four seam, just to give different breaks on pitches, did a great deal for him. He, he got a lot of his control back. Really good for him. I think he's going to play a big role in the bullpen, or at least they're assuming he'll play a big role in the bullpen. Uh, another one, Bryce Wilson. <laughs> Remember everything that happened after August. Forget everything that happened before August. Uh, what you saw at the end of the season in the playoffs, that was the Bryce Wilson that we've all been waiting to see since his just gigantic run, his sprint, his blitzkrieg through the farm system to beat everybody else. And what a lot of people, it's hard to understand when you see Bryce Wilson because he looks like he's, you know, he looks like Kenny Powers. He looks like he's 35, 40. But he, he came out of high school. He was an 18-year-old. He came out of high school the same as Joey Wentz, the same as Ian Anderson, the same as Mike Soroka, the same as Colby Allard. And Bryce Wilson shot up that ladder as fast as anyone we've seen in a long time for the Atlanta Braves. And he did it 
on the backs of high strikeout numbers and really low walk numbers. And while we've always had that that worry that he throws too many pitches in the zone, with that changeup that he was working in the postseason and that slider that he had at the end of the season, that doesn't worry me nearly as much as it did when he was essentially two types of fastball pitching like Lance Lynn. That type of... of of Bryce Wilson, that's a guy that, that can really be something. And once we get to our, our mailbag questions, we've got one in particular that talks about Bryce, so I don't want to give too much away. But I do think that Bryce Wilson is a really interesting person to keep an eye on for the Braves in 2021. Well, and he was one of those guys that he tended to nibble, kind of like the, the next guy that, that we have our New Year's resolution for, but he was, it was like he was afraid to go after guys. Well, he and nibbled, was but he the, nibbled in the zone. Like, he didn't, like, he didn't throw waste pitches or anything like that. He was always close to the zone, but it's, it's, it was more like he was trying to be so fine on the corners that he didn't have a lot of play up and down. And I thought that that was one of the things that hurt him more because you can't throw middle pretty much anywhere consistently. If, on, if it's on a corner or not, you got to be able to hit high low in the strike zone. I thought that's what he did the best job of in the playoffs. No, that, and that's a really good point. And it was the twenty-nine and nine game against the Marlins because he came in, uh, he pitched from the sixth inning to the end of the game, and it was just to save the bullpen because. Everybody remembers the offensive outburst and just the home run barrage, but what a lot of people forget is that Tommy Malone was getting his stuff pushed in. That was and his, they second had straight, to rely on, his second straight start of nine runs. I know. It was, it was carnage. But then Wilson came in to basically save the bullpen, and it was like a completely different guy. He was just attack, attack, attack. You're not going to lose. Just go out there. You know, who cares if you give up six solo home runs right now? Just work on your stuff right now, you know? And from that point on, he was like a completely different guy. And it manifested in game four of the NLCS. So that is the best possible ending point for him in that year. And that brings us to our next guy who had the worst possible ending point in his year. And that is Kyle Wright. And Kyle Wright's New Year's resolution is to develop a case of selective memory because his highs and lows last year were just completely, completely polar opposites of each other. He looked great in the NLDS against the Marlins. He, he really showed some big strides at the end of the regular season. But the start and end of his season sucked. So he needs to just remember the good, forget the bad, as if it's just that easy. Yeah, that's that's going to be a big thing for Kyle Wright is, is it's, it's almost time, you're almost at this point where like you need to see him take major steps forward, not necessarily in his stuff, but in his mental aspect of the game. Not the physical aspect, but for him, he lets things snowball, and he's done that ever since his time at Vanderbilt. Now you're at the point where he's a little bit older than the other guys. He's been around the block for a little bit. It's, it's about time for you gotta got to be able to get him to cross that bridge on that mental side to be able to, to get over some of the mistakes. Uh, Kyle Wright can be a very successful pitcher, but there are no successful pitchers in baseball who cannot get over a mistake. So for Kyle Wright, that's got to that's gotta be his next thing. Um, Mike Soroka, this is a very easy one. Um, stay healthy. Well, just tread lightly, literally, dude. When, you know, it was a freak accident, and he's, he's built like a, like a horse, but at the same time... He just he took a step and his ACL popped. You know what I mean? Uh, like that's no, that, that was his uh, that was his Achilles, sir. Or his Achilles. Excuse me. Excuse me. So I mean, he is the type of guy. He's got he's got the bulldog mentality, and he wants to just get back in there and go 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 go, much like a horse would. But somebody 
have to put the reins on him. I am really driving this horse metaphor into the ground. But I mean, he just just take it easy. Don't try and rush back for opening day. If if opening day still happens around the end of March or the or the beginning part of April, just you don't have to shoot for that. It's a long season. It is better to take eleven months to recover, or or however long, than to take nine months to recover and then wind up hurting yourself again. The Braves rotation, which we will also get to in the mailbag, is robust enough to survive a month without Soroka. They did it already this past year with a rotation that's in shambles. And now they're going to have Ian Anderson for a full season. They're going to have Max Fried for a full season, Charlie Morton, Drew Smiley, and Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright. You got six guys right there that you can you can rely on just for a minute. You know what I mean? So Now, just the chill. next person I want to talk about, you didn't put on the list. I'm a little upset that you did, but Max Fried. Um, Max Fried is just taking another step forward. We, we've seen... I feel like I gush about Max Fried more than everybody else, and that's okay because I am Max Fried's number one fan. Uh, but one of the things that makes me that I'm so impressed with Max all the time is that he's able to implement new pitches into his arsenal very quickly. He's able to get them to where they're playable at a big league level very quickly. So now we're heading into his third season as an actual starter, and what was a fastball curveball guy is now fastball curveball slider cutter and a changeup that he's been working on type of guy. I am over the moon about Max Fried, even more than I was to start last season. We've seen he just does not give up hard contact. Uh, I think he's going to take a huge jump in his strikeout numbers this year. Now that he's got the now he's now that he's used that slider and that changeup a little bit more, he's got a full repertoire now. Now that he can feel comfortable enough to work with them for a full offseason. Uh, he, he's a guy that now that he doesn't have to have all the pressure of every start has to be his game, he can go out there and he can go out there and try to strike out guys. He doesn't have to try to do three pitch, four pitch, five pitch innings and go eight, nine, or go seven or eight innings into games. This is a big time season for Max Reed. Last year was too. Last year he showed he's one of the most talented pitchers in baseball. This year I look for him to take an even bigger step forward. And Max is the guy that is going to solidify himself. And, and everybody will know now that Max is the pitcher on the Braves. Yeah, I think he would have gotten a lot more Cy Young buzz if uh, if he didn't have to miss uh, the amount of time that he did. And he truthfully didn't even miss that much time. It just kind of seemed like it because the season was so short. And each of his pitches is beautiful in a vacuum. But when you start getting them playing off of each other, the way that the slider plays off the change, I mean, because his curveball, because it's it's so big and loopy and... It's one of those things like Mar- Mariano Rivera and the cutter. He can tell you it's coming. You're still not going to be able to hit it. It's the same thing with Freed's curveball. I mean, he that thing is a work of art. So when you've got something to other pitches that, that work off speed and you know you get that, that cutter in there too, he is a special guy. It's just always been a question of can he stay healthy because he's had, he's had some tiny little nagging injuries here and there. So um, last year was the Max Freed we've been waiting for ever since they traded for him from the Padres back in the end of 2014. So he was amazing to see. But from one starter to the other, new guy to an old guy, uh, old guy in terms of roster, but not, but also kind of technically an old guy as far as age goes, as far as baseball players, is Charlie Morton. This will be his first season with the Braves in over a decade. And for him, for him, I think that this might be his last year. So for Charlie Morton, it's just finished strong. Who he became when he was with the Astros and then carried it over when he was with the Rays. This is the exact type of guy that the Braves have been trying to bring in. This is the guy they thought they were getting with Paul Hamels. And just finish strong. You know, no reason to limp to the finish. You could be the front of rotation guy on a World Series winner. So just keep doing what you're doing for him. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing more about Charlie Morton. I mean, Charlie is fantastic. I mean, you and I have both wanted him for a while now. Uh, this was an excellent signing. Have Charlie come home. I think that this was a fantastic signing. He's, he's got one of the best curveballs in baseball. It's really fun to see. Um, but speaking of old new guys, there's one that uh, is kind of hoping that 2021 can be like a, a fresh start for him, and that would be Will Smith. Uh, the key for him is hopefully is try to get an actual full spring training in because what the Will Smith that we saw at the end of the season far better than the one that we saw earlier, but it never really looked like he had his whole game clicking. And I do think a lot of that was not having the same start time and having a very shortened season. Whereas if he'd had a full season, even if he'd missed spring training, by the time May rolled around, uh, he would have had about a month's worth of pitching behind him and he could have kind of straightened himself out by the back end of that season. Uh, The Braves are going to be relying on Will Smith a whole lot more this year. They paid him a whole lot of money. There's no Melanson. There's no Shane Green right now. Um, It's not a whole lot of experience behind him. Will Smith is going to be the guy that's asked to shoulder the load for uh, most of the high impact innings for this bullpen. I think he's I think he's good for it, but uh, no doubt that he's probably the guy with the most pressure on him, aside from maybe Kyle Wright on this list and our next player, Austin Riley. We are, we have officially finished with the pitchers. Uh, the uh, the first batter we're going to cover is Austin Riley. His New Year's resolution is to meet somewhere in the middle. In 2019, we talked about it every week from when. Uh, from about early July through the end of the season. And that was Austin Riley was getting eaten alive by down and away sliders, but he was still mashing fastball. So you stick with him. And in 2020, it seemed like he was struggling with fastballs more because he focused so much on hitting sliders. He really made unbelievable strides with what was just such a problem pitch for him in uh, 2019, but his bread and butter kind of betrayed him a little bit. So If he can find a way to get his timing configured just right to where he can hit both the off-speed and fastballs, you are looking at an absolutely dangerous hitter. He showed a a bunch of steps forward. And and I know that that he's not in the elite tier of third baseman in Major League Baseball right now, but he is honestly just... There's so much promise with him, and I and I, you know, I've stumped for Chris Bryant for for a really long time, who he, he had a really down year, and um, I just really think Riley earned himself another full year of trying to figure it out, whether it's a third base or in left field. But to me, he's got to be able to do both of those things. See, I, I'm not. I think it's for a different reason. I think uh, I like that he made those adjustments with being able to hit pitches, and he made a lot more contact. The issue was it was not quality contact. His power went down a huge amount, and. Riley is not a guy that I think is ever going to be the 300, 315 type of guy. So his his at-bats, I think he's more of a 255, 260 type of guy. So he's got to make his hits count. I think the big thing for him is going to find is going to be finding the balance between contact and quality of contact. That's I think that that's his his biggest bugaboo right now. If he just has a slower bat, there's only so much you can do with it. So uh, he's got to make his hits count, but but no doubt you've got to have more power out of him, especially if he's ever going to be a middle-of-the-order guy. That's what I'm looking to see in 2021. Can he find a way to, to bridge that gap a little bit, make another adjustment, and find a way to actually reach that power a little bit rather than just kind of poking balls to make some contact. Uh, we got to move on pretty quick here, so just going to do these rapid-fire. Freddie Freeman, listen to Snicker when he tells you to take a day off. Uh, obviously, the numbers spoke for themselves. Johan Camargo, um, I, I really don't know what to say for Johan. I, I love you, <laughs> Johan, but um, figure it out, man. Uh, figure it out. <laughs> well, 
Well, with him, it was just he was he got so twitchy and so active in the box. Like he functions best. I mean, he kind of has some natural bat waggle to him, but he was just all over the place. He could not stop. No. Stop moving in the box. Just figure it out. And Ronald and Ozzy, wrap yourselves in bubble wrap. Don't do anything crazy. You guys are the future of the team and the future of Major League Baseball. Um, so, we do have a mailbag, which is why we have to rush this. But before we do, Doc has a little refreshing zip to give you. <laughs> Normally, this is the part of the show where I would talk to you about how to best keep yourself from looking like a teen wolf. But... As 2020 went away and 2021 started, they are not talking to us right now, and we don't know why. So, instead, this week's episode of Platinum Sabrera was brought to you by Edgar Allan Potpourri. Quoth the Raven, this room smells fantastic. Also, a reminder, we are brought to you by Bet Online. If you'd put money on the fact that the Mets were going to acquire Lindor, you, you might have turned a, a little bit of a profit there, but the odds were not particularly long on that. If you would put money on the fact that they would get Carrasco, then you might have been able to have turned a little bit of a profit. So... Get your wagers in now for the 2021 baseball season, which ideally, fingers crossed, will start sooner than you think. Bet online allows you to bet online. So, Dylan, as you reach into the mailbag, what's the first thing that you uh, first thing you pull out there? What do you What do you got? We're gonna go with friend of the program, Ben Chase. Uh, Doc, who hits 20 home runs total in Major League Baseball first? Uh, I'm gonna change this a little bit. I'm hoping he means just in a full in one season. Uh, Drew Waters, William Contreras, or Christian Pache. I'm going to take both. I think um, I think that it is going to be Contreras, actually, on both counts. I think he's going to be the first one to reach 20 home runs, and I think he'll be the first one to reach 20 home runs in a season. Uh, I, I think I agree with you there. I think William Contreras is the best bet for that. I like a lot of the adjustments he made at the plate. His swing looks so much better than it did a few years ago. I do think Christian Pache will get multiple 20 home run seasons. Uh, I don't think it's going to be in the first couple of years. I think that there's a few other things he's going to have to work on more consistently. Um, I think he's a good bit, a good bet to get anywhere from, you know, I think he's a good bet to go 14, anywhere 14 to 16, I think is a pretty good number for him early because he hits the ball hard still, but he's so pull happy that he's going to have to, he's going to have some struggles with some outside pitches early. Um, Waters, for Waters to get 20 homers, he's going to have to have a massive change in his swing. Um, I think now if Waters elevated the ball, like Waters hits the ball hardest of all of them. Like if, if Waters had the lift on the ball that the other two have, this would be an easy Drew Waters, but he doesn't. He's very line drive oriented swing. So while the power, I think the power for Drew Waters will be better than the other three, especially early, if he can make enough contact, it will be more doubles and line drive power. The ISO will be good. The home run totals in and of themselves probably won't be early because he's got a lot he's got to do as far as changing the angle of his swing. You know, I, I'm going to agree with you there. And I think part of the reason why I would put, uh, put him behind other two would just be um, proximity. I know that the fact that Contreras made it first was more a function of the fact that both Darno and uh, Flowers – we're dealing with COVID like symptoms and because Contreras didn't come back. But I think two things. One, I think that he came, uh, he showed enough while he was up here to where they would be comfortable uh, with the fact that they would lean on him pretty soon. And also his path to the majors is probably a little bit clearer. If the Braves wind up adding uh, Ozuna or, or adding a third baseman and shifting Riley into the outfield or whatever they, they have to do, then you're still looking at somebody in left and Pache and Acuna in the outfield. So I think it's going to be harder for Waters to crack. So I think they also want to make sure that when he does come up, then he's going to be up here to stay, similar to Pache. So that's that's not a knock on Waters. Uh, 
But he is also the subject of our next mailbag question, which comes from Chad Whitfield. Who do we see first in Atlanta? Just an appearance, not necessarily as somebody who sticks as a starter. Drew Waters, Kyle Muller, or Jared Schuster? Uh, I'm going to say... Hmm, this is a tough question. I'm going to say Drew Waters, although it wouldn't shock me if it's Kyle Muller. Uh, if Muller comes up, it would just be as a bullpen. Uh, it, would, it would be because other people were hurt and he was coming up to pitch out of the bullpen. I think Drew... I really don't think the Braves are going to have a ton of call-ups this year, if I'm being perfectly honest. I don't see a lot of spots that you'd be calling a lot of people up unless injuries happen. And if that's the case, uh, I, I think that Drew, had there been a full 2020 season, I think Drew would have gotten a September call-up. Um, I think there's still a lot for him to work on. But I do think that he'll get the appearance first out of these. Schuster has an outside shot. But I don't think the Braves are going to put him into the bullpen unless they absolutely have to. Muller's been in the bullpen before. Uh, he's he's kind of more used to shorter stints, but Muller has a lot that he has to work on as far as control. Uh, until he gets that control down, he's not coming up. It was telling that he didn't get up in 2020, and Tucker Davidson did, um, despite the fact that they both throw very hard and, and that Muller was making big strides, but Muller's just not consistent. I think Drew, if he can get to the point where he's making enough contact and the Braves need somebody to come up uh, and, ride, uh, and, and play left field for a bit or, or whatever, I think Drew's the guy. You know, I, I'm actually going to take Muller on this one, but for the same reason why, why you said. I think that it would just be a function of you want somebody who's going to touch 100 or close to it from the left side. I mean, it's a pretty rare commodity. Uh, Schuster is a little bit more of a finesse guy, but he's still, even on the depth chart, I think that he's going to wind up starting in double A as opposed to Muller, who I, w- I would be absolutely surprised if he doesn't wind up in triple A. Waters, like I said, he's got a little bit trickier path, but it also just kind of depends on what the Braves do for the rest of the offseason. Yeah, I think that's a good point there. Uh, This one from our buddy Jacob Suttles. Who do you expect will emerge and take over the fifth spot? Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, or Drew Smiley? I think think until Soroka gets back, I mean, Smiley's going to be in – in the rotation, you know, when Jacob asked the question, he said Smiley probably has the inside track because of the money. I think that's very true. Um, so I think that uh, having Wilson after I am a little more confident in Wilson after what I saw last at the end of last year, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of last year than I am from what I saw of Wright. So, but I think Wright's going to get plenty of time to pitch as well. I, th- I think that uh, you're going to kind of see an informal uh not a six-man rotation, but a five-and-a-half. I think you, you will see guys that have touched the majors before. Uh, you said probably not a ton of call-ups, but I think that you might see – you'll see Tucker Davidson, and you'll see just see old De La Cruz, and you'll see Kyle Wright. They'll all be just kind of hanging yeah. around. It's what, just a what, I meant, of, what I meant was more like nobody's – I don't think anybody – I don't think you're going to see any call-ups to like get real run. Like I think you might see oh, short that's, stand, yeah. Like Here you go. That's Here's fair. a bullpen outing. Hey, we need a starter today. Here you go. Uh, I think it'll be stuff like that. I don't think I don't think the Braves are as, as a team. I don't think they're going to need to call up a lot of people as far as like extended time. No, that's that's absolutely a really good point. And he, and even what you saw out of Davidson this past year, he just had the one start, you know. And and if and if Kyle Muller comes up, like we just said, it's going to be probably in a limited capacity. So yeah, I think uh, I think uh, you could really make a good case for 
uh, Smiley be in the four and Wilson be in the five until Soroka gets back, and then we'll see what happens with Bryce. I think that that's true. I think this. I think the inside track is obviously Drew Smiley's. I mean, they paid him eleven million dollars. Um, really, the question I would put, I would phrase, is which of the two between Wilson and Wright do I think is more likely to get more starts in twenty twenty? And I think that I would be. I honestly, I'm with you. I think Bryce Wilson. I think Bryce has shown more. I think he's shown more. It's hard because there's a lot of recency bias because when Kyle Wright first turned it around, Bryce was not turning it around. But once the playoffs came around, really the end of the season there, Bryce went on that three-start streak that was really, really good, and we know how Kyle Wright's ended. I just thought that Bryce looked better. He looked like he handled it better, and I, I think getting him off the schneid win-wise was, was a nice way for him to be able to relax. And He doesn't look like he gets flustered very much, and, and for a young guy, I think that that's, that's a bigger point. So um, I, I think Smiley's the obvious answer there. And then our final question from Stephen Kirkhoff. Even if Marcelo Zuna is re-signed, are the Braves still a bat short in a series against L.A.? That's a really good question. And I think uh, I'm expecting the Dodgers to do something. I mean, keep in mind, they still have not re-signed Justin Turner. And they, they may or may not. So he could be, if Ozuna re-signs with the Braves and Turner doesn't re-sign with the Dodgers and they don't do anything else, then strictly by logic of this question, then they would be equal in that regard. And I think the Braves did a really good job of hanging with them. They obviously weren't able to seal the deal, but they also did what they did without Ronald Acuna. You know, he was not really playing well in the playoffs whatsoever. So um, I actually, I'm going to say no. I I think that the the Braves are going to be able to hang. I, I really do think that if it came back down to it, you could play that series out a thousand times and it would be 500 to 500, you know? I, I'm i worried that the Dodgers are going to get DJ LeMahieu. That's kind of the big rumor right now. Uh, if they do, then that answer is obviously yes. But um, I don't think DJ LeMahieu is as powerful outside of New York as he is in the AL East. Um, I thought the Braves were a bat short last year. I thought the Braves offense did the best in baseball in keeping pace with the Dodgers offense. Um, but with the Dodgers, it's also the bench. And I think that that is the big difference between the two. So even if you did re-sign Marcel, unless you addressed the bench a little bit and got some some good bench bats, then yeah, I'd probably say you're still a bat away uh, or a bat short compared to the two um, as far as bullets in your gun. But I don't think the Braves were looking to get toe-to-toe with the Dodgers as far as lineup and pure lineup. I think that's why they made the deal to go get two starting pitchers and not just one. So if you're worried that you're not going to outslug them, you can outpitch that Dodgers team. No, that's that's fair. And this this was the first time the, the Braves have had kind of little brother syndrome with the Dodgers for a good couple of years. And this was that series. I I know it ended poorly, but that was that was a Braves team that knew they were good enough to win that series. They should have won that series. And, uh, and I think that now with some of the very calculated early offseason moves that they made, I think that if you replay that series, then I think the Braves take it. So um, this, this year, I mean, but the Dodgers did win and there, there's something to be said for that. They might have a championship hangover or they might be just as hungry next year, but there are still, as we alluded to at the very beginning, there are still a lot of players out there and the Dodgers are not afraid to spend money. So um, this is 
this rivalry, this is going to be like Balboa versus Creed. This is just going to keep going. They're just going to keep making movies about it. Yeah, this is no doubt. This is the this is the two teams now. You can say the three because the Padres. I I would say the Padres have made themselves better than anybody else in baseball. I think the Dodgers. Have, I think the Dodgers have a lot to worry about with San Diego right now. Um, as far as that hangover, I don't think they should be worrying about that hangover. I think should be. I think they should be worrying about that team in San Diego. Um, but for the Braves. I'm hoping that we'll start to see them make a little bit of moves soon, just for the sake of I want something, even if it's just bench moves. I just I need some action here. I need some trades. I need some signings, something. Something I'm jonesing a little bit, but I know the rest of you are too. Hopefully this little episode here was a nice little break from the craziness of the world. Uh, allows you to get a little bit of Braves talk, but we are going to end the episode for now, almost 40 minutes into it, so thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, really looking forward to being with you all in 2021 in what should be yet another banner year for the Atlanta Braves. They look to make it a four-peat and keep Keep the tradition of never losing the division while the Platinum Sombrero is underway. So, Doc, thank you so much. Thank you so much to everybody else out there. You guys have a great night, and we will be back. I don't know if it's going to be next week, the week after what, but we will be back here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thank you for being.